0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.
1: So what is it about our way of thinking, our mindset that's creating these patterns of you know feeling like we're lost and and unful- unfulfilled? Um so, yeah, I, you know, we've set our sights on um, we want to create a generational change in Australians' experience and relationship with their mental health. Um, and for, for me that means it's not about feeling happy all the time or, you know, never having any challenges. It's about showing up and navigating life's challenges
0: Hope you've had a wonderful break and welcome back to an action-packed new season of Humans of Purpose. We are proudly sponsored, as always, by Neon Treehouse, the best digital agency on the planet Earth. To learn more, just head to neontreehouse.com or hit the link in our show notes. We are also sponsored by Creole, who are now the official drink of Humans of Purpose. Creole are committed to redefining the Australian drinks market. The team at Creole believe that Australian fridges should be full of drinks made from real ingredients that provide a healthy alternative and taste amazing. As loyal Humans of Purpose listeners, you can enjoy a 15% discount on their tasty range of sodas. Just hit the link in our show notes or head to creole.com.au, click shop and enter discount code HUMANS OF PURPOSE on checkout. Bear with me for some brief housekeeping before we get into today's episode. This season on Humans of Purpose, as well as our general coverage of inspiring people whose work is having a positive social impact, we're going to focus on a few key topic areas including democratic improvement and innovation, meat alternatives or replacements, climate change in reducing carbon emissions, circular and or future economy and sustainability, NFTs, green cryptocurrencies and technological innovation. Of course, we'll continue to have a strong interest in guest discussions involving social enterprise, purpose-driven business, and improving diversity and inclusion, particularly in male-dominated fields. If you have any good ideas for guests that might be a good fit for Humans of Purpose and you'd like to make an introduction, please let me know via hello at humansofpurpose.com and use the subject line, Guest Referral. It would be remiss of me to move straight into a new season without taking a few moments to reflect on... The massive growth and some great achievements uh, that Humans of Purpose clocked up in 2021, which marked uh, what can be described as a breakout year for the podcast. So first and foremost, we won a Global Media Award. Uh, that, that was with AI Global Media and Corporate Vision as the most impactful podcast of Australia 2021. Pretty big for us. We've been around for three years and we are sort of quiet achievers. We don't really throw in for many awards. So we're very pleased to get that uh, nomination. We reach the top 20 charts and number 18 overall in management uh, podcast in Australia, and we rank in the top 50 in South Africa and New Zealand and have a strong growing presence in the US and UK markets. So to break into the top 20 podcasts, there are around 2 million plus podcasts uh, globally in Australia. It's just a huge achievement for an independent podcast um, that really relies just on my work and the support of the partners. So very happy with that. Um, onto the partners, we secured major sponsorships with digital agency Neon Treehouse and official drink sponsor Creole, which is really terrific for me to have that support. And um, it was also a good year for media. We were featured in major publications including Mumbrella, Yahoo News, The Age, BT, Body and Soul, uh, Lifehacker, and many more. So, good 2021, and here's to a bigger 2022. Now that we've done the housekeeping, I'm pleased to introduce our first podcast of the year with Addie Wooten, who is the CEO of Smiling Mind. Smiling Mind is a not-for-profit web and app-based meditation program developed by psychologists and educators to help bring mindfulness into your life. Smiling Mind have fast become one of the top mindfulness and meditation apps in Australia and now the world. I'm a big fan of Addie and Smiling Mind and everything they've achieved over the journey. They're doing incredibly important work in schools with kids and in homes with families and individuals to help them work on improving their mental health and well-being. An important element of this work, from my perspective, is that Smiling Mind conducts leading research on their programs and they are all very much evidence-based. This is a great conversation with Addie where we talk about the Smiling Mind journey, what mindfulness actually means and how their solution is having a major impact in Australia and beyond. We also talk about what the future interventions might look like and how technology is opening up new opportunities to improve our mental health and well-being. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Addy as much as I did. So I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Addy. Welcome, Addy.
1: Hi, how are you going?
0: It's so good to have you on the pod. You look uh, refreshed. You look like you might have just been for a good run or something.
1: I did pop out before our chat, mic just to get a bit of fresh air between the, all the Zoom calls that we're all living through at the moment in this lockdown, yeah. but yeah, feeling good, as yeah. good as you can be. I'm
0: sorry <laughs> I had to put you through another Zoom session. I would much prefer to have you over, but uh, with the lockdown, you know, just got to play by the rules and do what we can.
1: Exactly. It's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, look, I want to just get into it and uh, first, I think a good starting point might be to talk about your transition from clinical psychology to, to starting Smiling Mind and just some of your thinking around that, your journey and um, some of the key drivers of that decision making.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty big leap of faith for me to to stop my clinical work uh, and jump into running a, a, back then it was a very small not-for-profit Um so I, I, I spent all of my career clinically working in big hospitals. So um, my area of expertise was working in oncology with people going through cancer experiences. And through that time I really discovered how, um, how transformational mindfulness practice uh, could be for people, particularly for people going through really big life, life experiences that they had little control over. Um, you know being a physical health problem um, and so it, it, I, I started exploring mindfulness practice there and I also started um, looking at how we could use technology to overcome people's barriers um, to accessing psychology services. I you know, Working in a big hospital I was part of a big medical team um, and I was really surprised to see and over time this became less and less surprising, but there, there was this real reluctance um, for people to come and talk about how they were going. Um, and, you know, they'd be much more comfortable going and talking to the nurse about their physical problems and they w- would be coming to talk to me about how they were feeling emotionally. And so I, I started looking at, well, how can we use technology to to help people at least start to think about the emotional impact of what they're going through, maybe connect with other people that were going through a similar thing, um, and so when I got the opportunity to meet one of our amazing founders, Janie Martino, um, I, it was, I, I you know, I didn't really know what I was walking into. I was um, meeting them and thinking, well, you know, Smiling Mind must be a really big organisation. There's, a lot, you know, lots going on. Um, and I was blown away by the fact that, you know, they had started something from, you know, Pretty much nothing, very little funding, and they had built a technology platform that was reaching almost a million people back then in 2015. Um, and as a clinician, you know, being used to working one-on-one with people, I thought, oh my goodness, how, um, there, there's so much opportunity to reach a lot of people using technology. Um, and so I was, I was kind of blown away by that. And um, when she they offered me the the job, I thought, well gee, I, you know, it's not often you get this opportunity to take on a, a CEO role as a clinician um, and a researcher. Um, you know, obviously I was pretty petrified. I didn't know if I was going to be able to, to do the job, but I thought, well, you know, you you get these opportunities once in a lifetime, so why not go with it? Um, and I haven't really looked back. I've, I have learned so much in this time working um, with Smiling Mind. You know, I've got, I've, get to work alongside an amazing board um, and we've built up the organisation hugely. We've now got 6.5 million people using the app um, and a team of, of people working on different programs. So I'm pretty proud to to have been able to take my clinical knowledge and skills and my love of learning and, and meeting people and bring that into a, a different field. Obviously, I still use my psychology brain. I'm never going to get rid of that. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing when you get an opportunity to really stretch and grow um and luckily I I yeah I took the risk I suppose and jumped into it.
0: Yeah I'm sure that um you must be equipped with some fantastic mental models to help you through the CEO (laughs) CEO journey that maybe many other CEOs would be envious of.
1: Uh, Potentially or you know maybe I'm too analytical and maybe you know I'm (laughs) I'm too reflective and not falshy enough I uh, there's just there's so many pros and cons, isn't there? Of you know different ways of doing things, but yeah, I definitely
0: What was that? What was this sort of like the transition like? Because I mean, going from um, clinical practice to entrepreneurship um, at that <laughs> level, and then like CEO leadership, it, it seems like pretty dramatic switch up. Like, did you feel? Um, did you feel like overwhelmed? Like unprepared, daunted? Was it kind of just feel the fear and do it anyway kind of moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, all of those things. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think. I mean, a lot of it that, in, that questioning, that imposter syndrome kind of feeling of like, "Oh, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I going to do this right?" Um, but also, yeah, that that embracing of of the unknown, and yeah, exactly, feeling the fear, going with it, and then like making mistakes and lots of mistakes along the way, and but being open enough, I suppose, to learn from the mistakes. And you know, I, I think you can't do anything without having a good group of people around you. So making sure I, you know, I had a good good a whole range of different mentors and people I could bounce ideas around with. Um, and you know, what a great opportunity to learn in a with a team that, you know, practice mindfulness. They're open to new ideas. They're you know, they're curious rather than being too critical. Like it was a it was a pretty lucky experience to be able to jump in with a, a group of people that were into mental health and mindfulness as well.
0: The journey is fascinating. Um, you've just released a piece of research called Australia's State of Mind 2021 Report. What a great time to release that. It's been a, a perilous period where Melbourne has just become the most locked down city in the world. Uh, we've had two years of pretty much the same Groundhog Day experience and a lot of people struggling. So I just wonder, what was the intention behind the report, first of all, and what were some of your key findings that came out of that?
1: Yeah, the State of Mind Report. Um, We've done this. is our third year actually, and we we do it every year and release it for Mental Health Month. So October is Mental Health Month, um, which is and State of is really our opportunity to check in on the state of play really around it, it, everyday experiences of mental health and well being. Uh, so it's not a clinical diagnostic um, survey or, or anything like that. It's really is a check in on. You know the general pulse of how people are feeling um, and it gives us an opportunity to shine a light on mental health and well-being but also it helps us as an organization to really dig into what the areas where we think we can make a difference so it helps inform some of our decisions around what programs we develop and where we pu- put our resources um, and this year you're right it's um there <laughs> we've We've never experienced anything like this before in our lifetime, and you know, gee, aren't we lucky as Melburnians to uh, have the world record in a number of different things at the moment?
0: <laughs> it's award-winning stuff, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is, but uh, you know, in all seriousness, it it, like, it it has had such a big toll on on people's mental health, from children all the way through to adults. I think um, we're seeing a whole range of different impacts, and it's. It's quite a worry, really. We um, we one of the big headlines of that um, of that research really was is around about four in five Australians are, have experienced um, anxiety or depression or stress at a at a pretty high level uh, in the past year. Which is is much higher than last year. I think last year um, it's jumped. It's yeah, it's jumped up quite considerably, and it's particularly um, obvious for young people. So the eighteen to twenty five year old age group were um, are experiencing uh, um, psychological distress at the highest rate, and it's also interesting to hear from parents around their perceptions of the impact on. Their kids, uh, about 41% of parents said that they believed that the pandemic had had a negative impact on their children's mental health and wellbeing. Um, and uh, really um, worrying from our perspective, because we do a lot of work with families and, and children, is that um, a lot of parents said they didn't know where to go to find help. Um, so we've still got a long way to go, I think, in terms of helping Australians, and probably this is a global experience as well, but particularly Australians at the, at the moment to, to understand, you know, where they can go to, to, to talk to someone or to ask for advice, but also how to look after their mental health and well being, particularly in a, you know, a, a time where there's a huge amount of um, uncertainty and disruption
0: do you think that um, this year's results are significantly worse because of lockdown fatigue but also maybe like a lack of hope and certainty around when, when will this actually end
1: yeah i i definitely think that i think i mean the lockdowns are one thing aren't they they take us away from our loved ones and our routines and our you know the things that we hold dear that make us feel good um but i think that that underlying level of uncertainty and that is a global uncertainty as well isn't it we don't really know what will happen with with the virus and we don't know when borders will open and when we'll be able to return to things that we we love to do um and also i think it, it kind of shakes the foundations a bit doesn't it you know this the, the ongoing not knowing um, yeah i and, think
0: it's i think it's taught me one thing that um routine is so precious for our sense of self and our well-being and it when really you, is. Yeah, and when you can't rely on some of the things that give you that, because um, I think we design our lives a bit around what renews us and what refreshes us, and when you kind of strip right back and it's really only, you know, exercise and um, what you can choose for lunch, <laughs> it becomes a bit <laughs> tricky.
1: <laughs> it, it really does, doesn't it? We did such a good job, mm-hmm. I think, in the first part of this pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. there was so much conversation around connecting with people that we love, forming routines, you know i'm sure we've all downloaded all the exercise apps that we can get our hands yeah. on yeah um but it's yeah it's now i think we're seeing the longer term impacts probably um coming into play with you know it's it's been such a long time especially for Mel- melburnians um and i think kids are really susceptible to that lack of routine as well that you know they're they're, they're learning so much in those in those young years of life and um, the stimulation and the the opportunity to to see different things is so important when they're developing. so to take that away I, yeah it has a really big impact.
0: Let's talk a little bit about mindfulness because I think it's um, it's a word that can seem a bit esoteric to people um I'm, I'd love to get your explanation around what mindfulness is how you understand it as a concept for me if you had to ask me what it is I would just say it's being present um because I'm pretty lacking in knowledge about it but I'd, I'd love you to, to talk a little bit about mindfulness and mindfulness meditation
1: yeah uh, I think you're bang on Mike like it is about being present um I really like um, John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, which is there's sort of two parts to it. The first is paying attention to the present moment, um, so being present, being fully aware to what you're doing right now, um, but doing it in a particular way. So uh, paying attention in the present moment with openness, curiosity, and without judgment. Um, so that idea of bringing those different. I suppose a a different way of looking at the world and interacting with the world and yourself um, when you're when you are being present so thinking about how how open you are to new experiences are you are you open and receptive to hearing different perspectives or to hearing someone tell a story that you you didn't expect Um, how curious are we are we you know listening you know to everything that that other person is saying and much are we judging um so i i err on the side of we're probably never going to get rid of judgment completely but how how do we reduce our level of judgment and and interact with the world as much as possible with that open and curious mind Um, and so for me mindfulness is sort of that overarching framework or aspiration to be a, a mindful person to be here in the present moment and choosing consciously to interact with people in a really open and curious way. Um, and so that means, you know, less judgement of my about myself, um, less judgement about other people, really um, thinking about learning much more than potentially we, we do sometimes when we go onto autopilot. Um, and that, that way of thinking or that approach to life um, you need to cultivate, right? So it doesn't come naturally. Our mind is pretty busy. Um, so one way you can think about mindfulness meditation is kind of like the physical or the the activity, the mind training that you need to do to cultivate that sense of mindfulness. So um, yeah, meditation is sort of like an attention training tool from from my perspective there's lots of different takes on on what meditation is for different people but for me it's about giving myself giving my brain an opportunity to stop, to focus on one thing at one time uh, and to train it to do that um, so that when I go back to the busy day that I will always have, then my brain is a little bit more capable of sifting through all the noise and prioritizing things, and hopefully staying on task rather than getting distracted. Um, so it is a little bit esoteric from that perspective. It's about you know how do you show up in the world with you know good intentions, with a clear mind, and with focus. Um, and you know that means I think, or well, sometimes it's easier to understand it from the opposite. So it's it it's not about you know doing 10 things at once it's not about um talking to someone but being on your phone and trying to multitask it's not it's not about you know having a closed mind and being judgmental about things it's about that openness Um, so it it's a really it's an interesting practice because you can you can teach yourself um those skills with you know 10 20 minutes a day of practicing um mindfulness and and you know we probably, do a little, we probably do more exercise than that most days. So it, it's not a huge investment of time, but it does have a wide-reaching impact. And we know that the research tells us that, you know, there's a whole range of different benefits that people find from practicing meditation and from that mindfulness approach more broadly. It's uh, really well yeah.
0: said. I think um, what, what you broke down really well there is the distinction between like the framework of mindfulness and how we think about it as a broader framework and then the practice of mindfulness meditation. So appreciated that um, distinction. Speaking of the evidence, which you nicely segued to, um, is there stronger evidence for mindfulness meditation as opposed to TM or other forms of meditation? Oh,
1: transcendental meditation has a pretty uh, large evidence base as well. Um, so some... Practices have gone more down the science pathway, and some more down the spiritual pathway. And so, you know, I was on a panel com- uh, discussion you know, not too long ago with a, an academic and a and a monk, um, and and me somewhere kind of in in the middle. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great conversation because I think um, that you know, from a Buddhist perspective, they ha- they have been practicing. Mindfulness meditation for for you know thousands and thousands of years, um, and whilst there might not be an a really big evidence base from that um, from from their perspective, that you know they've got a great uh, level of experience. Um, so there's a, there's different types of meditation practices and different evidence bases. What we can see mostly because that building that scientific evidence base is pr- predominantly a Western philosophy of, you know, that of, of science and rigour um, and publications, um, there are particular types like mindfulness-based stress reduction or mindfulness-based cognitive therapy that have got the, the strongest evidence base. And they're, um, they're long courses of mindfulness training, so usually over eight weeks. Um, but they've also done some some you know neuroscientific brain imaging studies um with monks who have been meditating for years and years and you know tried to track the 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 brain changes um so yeah there there is a, a whole lot of different research um but it's yeah i think if you're interested in mindfulness it, it really is about like digging into an area that that if you're interested in the science, start, yeah, have a look at, at the science. It's quite broad. There's a whole range of different areas you can you can explore, but finding the right approach that resonates with you, I think is probably the best the best place to start because you're probably more likely to continue to practice if you if it feels comfortable and, and right for you.
0: That feels like the trick for sure. So it's got to be something really, the evidence is very much shaped by your likelihood of continuing the practice. And yes. to, you know, like I feel like with all these tools and apps, um, you know, it's all about how do you keep going. And um, a lot of it actually, interestingly, now seems to be about gamification and using some of the tools that we learn from what makes apps sticky um, yep. and then applying that to the mindfulness space.
1: Yeah, it definitely when we're looking at mindfulness apps, um we can yeah, there's definitely a lot of consideration going into how how do you help people form a habit and then maintain that habit and keep coming back to it. Um, you know, different organizations will have different motivations for why they want to do that. Um but from our perspective, we yeah, we look at that as well. Um, you know, the the Smiley Mind app, you know, we we don't want six million people to start and only, you know. A few hundred thousand of those people to continue. We want as many of them to continue as possible. So, um, for us, it's about thinking, thinking about how we can help people integrate it into their their daily routine, um, and then connect to their values or their goals as well. So, thinking about there's a few different ways people come into the smiling mind ecosystem. One is to help them solve a problem. So it might be that they're going through a really difficult time. They might be feeling stress or anxiety or having trouble sleeping and so that pathway um you know when, when people come into our ecosystem we try and figure out well how do we help them meet their goals um and then how do we keep them practicing because we know that it is just like physical health you kind of have to keep working at your your mental fitness um and then the other pathway are other people that are coming in to um for self-improvement and you know really looking at a, a broader approach and that again i think we need to be able to tap into helping people see what their progress is and and how they're working towards um achieving goals or um or insights into themselves and how they're they're learning about themselves so yes there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that um and we're trying to do that you know it, it's now it sounds a bit sneaky and um you know i think everyone thinks all oh, you know it's kind of like Facebook getting all of our information and and using it against us but what we're trying to do with technology is is mimic the experience that you would have with a person so if you know if you and I were you know working together to to learn how to meditate we'd be talking about it we'd be sharing you know the things that are really hard we'd be, we'd be celebrating successes and what we're trying to do with technology is actually mimic that so that we're using technology to be that that motivator and that that prompt to keep going, um, obviously, from our perspective. For the good of of the user of the person using our app um but yeah there are other ways that technology is used in that way that's not that great
0: (laughs) yeah look i think if it i think it can be positive if it's altruistic in in its intention like i i recently purchased a peloton bike and um it's incredibly fantastic like i love it Um, but (laughs) it's got all these tricky things that keep you wanting to come back and keep riding and I know that it's messing with my brain and my my system, but I also am happy that it's manipulating me to exercise more. So yeah. I guess that's like you know enlightened self-interest, maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, Peloton have got this a massive following, don't they? And they, you know, hopefully, yeah, they're helping people feel better and to work on their physical health, which is which is great. And you know, I suppose if you're aware that they're they're doing tricky things then it's your choice to engage with it or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I take full responsibility don't worry.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> Good one.
0: Um, so you talked about having like quite a massive foothold in, a, in the Australian market. Do you think about um, competitors like Calm, uh, Headspace, 10% happier and how much time does one think about in your, in your position sort of considering what the other players from abroad um, or more globally are doing?
1: Yeah, we do. We we watch them. We love their products. They're amazing. Um it's interesting as a not-for-profit, uh, we we're set up to help to offer accessible programs and resources. And so Smiley Mind is freely accessible, and that's because we believe that we hopefully everyone can benefit from what we have to offer and, and we're not here to make money out of it. Um But we also recognise that those other other apps are are doing a really great job in supporting people as well. So our focus as as an organisation really is around um, we don't see them necessarily as competitors because what we're trying to do is to work at an individual and a system level. So um, a lot of our work and energy actually goes into our school-based programs, so going into schools and supporting teachers. Um, training teachers and then making sure they've got resources to introduce these ideas um, and training programs to their students. So, um, from our yeah, from our perspective, it, it's it's it, in some ways having all of those other amazing apps out there is, is really helpful because it's helping raise awareness for what we're doing. It's engaging more people in this proactive practice um but also it gives us the opportunity to really focus in on the system change that we're trying to influence here in Australia um having said that we you know about about 40 percent of our app users are international um so we know that there's and it's interesting to, to get feedback from some of those people to say you know they tried headspace they try calm and you know they really love smiling Minds so they're gonna use it you know despite the fact that we're free Um we do it a little bit differently, so having that breadth of offering, I think, is really, really lovely for people to to explore it and see which one uh, they like the best. Really, um, but yes, we do. We learn from them. We try not to copy them too much, but we definitely, we definitely do look at what they're doing and then try and figure out where our point of difference is. Because, and I suppose, as a not-for-profit too, where you know we need to invest our money wisely. We don't, you know, we're we're using money that's from really generous supporters and so there's no point in us doing exactly the same as what is already available. Um, So we really try and focus in on areas that are are not being developed by other organisations. If you
0: are happy to talk about it, I'm curious what some of the key measures of success are that you look at for how, um, how Smiling Mind is growing and the impact that it's having.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, this is a million dollar question, Mike. Um, Lots of different things. So um, we set ourselves a a reach goal um, a few years ago to reach 5 million Australian children and young people. Um, And so that's one of the metrics that we look at. We look at at reach and the reach, the way we calculate our reach is through the app. So how many children and young people are using the Smiling Mind app, but then how many are we we also reaching through parents and how many are we reaching through schools? So when we train a teacher and they run a program in their classroom, they're reaching, you know, 20-odd kids. So that's one way that we look at at, um, our impact. So reach is the sort of the first phase of that. Um, and then the second phase is to look at, well, how often are they coming back and engaging? So our monthly, we call them monthly mindful users, um, how, how, many, how often are they coming back and re-engaging with our programs? Um, so, And that's because the ev- evidence does say that, you know, you need to practise regularly in order to, um, to see the benefits of, of mindfulness practice. Uh, and then to measure the benefits, we do that in a few different ways. So we, when we run programs, um, sort of discrete programs of work, like our school program, for example, we had, uh, we had funding to um, run our program in 445 New South Wales primary schools. Um, and so for those pieces of work, we engage um, researchers to evaluate the program. So PwC actually worked with us to evaluate that program over 18 months. Um, So we then get to drill down into the details of of how how beneficial is it. And we looked at um, teacher wellbeing, teacher confidence and knowledge, and then student uh, wellbeing outcomes as well over that period of time. Um, And we do similar things uh, for pieces of work when we work in businesses. Um, But then within the app, we've built in... Um, a well-being check-in. So um, our goal there is to try and figure out how we, we measure um, or get pe- people's feedback over time so that we can look at whether we're having an impact on a, a few different domains and some of them are mindfulness domains like awareness um, or the ability to regulate emotions and others are more broad well-being domains like um, how is your sleep quality, uh, how's your level of stress? How connected um, and close do you feel in your relationships? And so we we have this data over a, 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 a quite a long period of time, looking at how people are tracking. Um, so yeah, there are different ways that we we measure our impact. Um, and then outside of that, as an organisation, we also have set ourselves some goals around like being a vocal champion for. Um, a more proactive and preventative approach when it comes to mental health. So educating and talking to Australians about how um, they can look after their mental health more proactively. And so we also measure things like, um, you know, is our message getting through? Are people listening? Are they relating Smiling Mind to some of those messages? Um, And so, yeah, there's lots of metrics that we look at.
0: But all really important metrics. <laughs> Absolutely, it sounds like as a as a researcher, you'd just be in heaven with all those um, studies going <laughs> yeah. on and all those different numbers to look at, and the, the qualitative feedback as well. It's um, yeah. it's pretty tremendous stuff.
1: I I definitely annoy my team from time to time when I ask too many
0: <laughs> questions. <laughs> ask them what the P-value is on the study and just, <laughs> it just blazes over a little bit. Yep, I, know, I know the feeling. <laughs> what, what, what kind of world do you want to live in? I mean, when I think about Smiling Mind and, and what it's trying to achieve, um, to me, I get the sense that you want to live in a world that's a bit more compassionate, people are a bit more connected, a bit more self-aware. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I'd, I'd really like to get a sense from you as to... Like the grand vision of the smiling mind, um, success at a societal level.
1: Well, oh, big question. <laughs> you asked a, it's a good one to ask. I'm I'm a very optimistic person, and I love big goals. Um, and so, for me, like I, I want to live in a world where people are thriving and feeling connected and you know, they're following their passions, they're feeling fulfilled in life. Um, and I feel like at the moment where we are, we have created this world where it's a bit of a hamster wheel, people feel a bit lost and empowered. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of loneliness, um, even though we've got all these amazing, you know, new technologies that connect us. So how do we shift that and create a world that, you know, is, We've got so much opportunity, particularly in Australia, that we, you know, we're very fortunate to have. Um, so, what is it about our way of thinking, our mindset, that's creating these patterns of, you know, feeling like we're lost and and unful- unfulfilled? Um, so, yeah, I you know, we've set our sights on. Um, we want to create a generational change in. Australians' experience and relationship with their mental health. Um, And for for me, that means it's not about feeling happy all the time or, you know, never having any challenges. It's about showing up and navigating life's challenges with exactly what you said, compassion, but particularly compassion for yourself um, and that ability to, you know, to be aware that we're going to go through pretty hard hard times, but that we've got those connections and those relationships that we can lean on if we need to. So, you know, I don't want people to be lonely and isolated. I want them to be able to to connect with people. Um, and for me, I think that starts with what we learn when we're growing up. If we're, um, you know, if if we teach kids how to be compassionate and show empathy and to, you know, to love themselves in various, you know, ways it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but you know, to feel good about themselves and to not be afraid of emotions, then I think we're we're on a good pathway. Um but as long as we keep setting our, our goals at, you know, things that, you know, are materialistic and externally focused, I think kids are really gonna struggle. Um and we're seeing that with you know even kids' experience of climate anxiety, like, like that it's ridiculous that we've given the next generations a, a, a world where they they have to worry about that, but you know thank God they're so passionate about it because I think they are actually going to make a difference. But yeah, how do we give them the, the best opportunities to learn how to to, um, to thrive when they're at school? because it's our one opportunity to create a change.
0: Got to get in early. That's what I take away from that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, good one. Good summary of my rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, got it, absolutely essential to get in early. And um, I noticed that the big governments just committed to having a um, a well being person in every school. Yeah, um, amazing. At some stage, which is you know a really great um, bit of change as well. well. What is the next phase of innovation and evolution for Smiling Mind? Where do you go from here?
1: Ah, oh, great question. Well, we obviously haven't created that generational change yet, so there's still a whole lot of work to do. And I think the, our, you know, our collective mental health experience, unfortunately, it's it's not getting any better. Um, so our our focus is going to be, you know, really really focused in on children and young people, their families, the school system. Um, and and workplaces as well. So the systems that people move through to really try and and create opportunities for young people to learn those skills that I was talking about a moment ago. Um, so I, I think for us, you'll probably, you'll see you'll see a whole lot of things happen. Technology is always going to be at the core of um, how we do what we do. So um, for us, it's it is about. Reaching as many people as poss- possible with the highest quality, evidence-based programs and approaches. Um, and but you'll probably we've started exploring, you know, what alongside mindfulness, um, what approaches alongside mindfulness can we offer? So in our curriculum, for example, for schools, we've incorporated um, positive psychology principles, and so starting to to build out a. a breadth of, of programs and approaches in addition to mindfulness will probably be the thing that people notice them the most as a as our sort of next evolution um, but also harnessing you know technology i think in a in a really positive way as well how do we personalize the experiences for people when they come into our programs how do we help teachers um you know I suppose like engage with our programs but also get insights from the data that they can collect from their class as well and so that we can guide and navigate and provide that tailored experience for different students needs so yeah for us it's really about broadening our approach and deepening our impact through making our programs much more personalized and using technology to do that.
0: That's incredibly exciting stuff um Because, you know, this is very much your space, I'm I'm not relying on you for, like, you know, authoritative, like, game-changing, you know, the world is on the edge of its seat advice here, but if somebody is struggling um, with with mental health, you know, what are some of the top things they can do to kind of change their dynamic or their situation?
1: Ah, big question again, Mike. Um, Well, I think the first thing to recognise is, like, you're not alone that I, I think one of the things that we really struggle with is that we we don't recognize that we all have a mental health and we all experience different things I think sometimes when people are going through a really hard time it feels like that you know they're so alone in that experience and that nobody else will understand um, but the chances are if you reach out to someone they will understand because you know we we will all pretty much go through some period of time in our life where we're having a really difficult mental health um, experience. Um, so, don't be afraid to reach out to to talk to someone. Um, I think talking is probably the best thing that you can do for for your mental health if you can find the right person to talk with, and that doesn't necessarily mean a professional. Um, it could be someone in your friendship network, but what we know is that when you're going through a really difficult time from a mental health perspective is that you know it you end up in your head you, you it's really hard to get out of those patterns of thinking and criticism or hopelessness um and so talking it through and help finding a way for for people to to help you navigate that is I think a, a really important part of that um I you know, I think the health professionals that we have in this country are extraordinary. Um, so finding the right GP for you, um, and potentially, you know, talking to a psychologist or a counselor or a psychiatrist, I think is is really, really a good idea because you know, they they've been that, that's what they do. They they live and breathe mental health. And um, but finding the right person for you is really important. And I know that that's really hard. At the moment, in particular, because um, there's huge demand and it's really hard to get in to see people, um, but it shouldn't be hard to get into a GP. So I definitely encourage people to talk to their GP. Um, the other thing is to think about the the other the other ways that you can look after your mental health. So um, you know they, they sound very simple, but they're so important. Like sleeping well is really, really important, and getting exercise is really important. It helps you sleep well, but it also changes all your hormones within your body. Um, so doing things like that, while they sound you know like they're probably not going to fix fix things that you you know are really worrying you, they actually can make a really big difference. Um, and you know, yeah, exploring things like like meditation um, or Working through other strategies, I think it is really important. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing I think is to realise that you're not alone. There, there are people out there that really do care, even if you haven't met them before. Like it's a, it's quite remarkable how many you know amazing health professionals and um, even you know the, the amazing counsellors on Lifeline who really do care um, and want to help. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's so complex. It, there's not an easy fix, but, you know, just like our physical health, there, there, are, there are systems and processes there that we can we can use that will help us.
0: Yeah, fantastic answer and a very trivial question, I acknowledge. Um, how about for yourself, just to preserve good mental health? I'm curious, what are the indispensable parts of your day and the, the things that you kind of rely on to help you be at your best?
1: great question um, routine has saved me this um, well what has it been more than 18 months now um, I think I am a person that really benefits from from setting a routine and my routine um, I think has to be so has to include exercise in some form I, um, for me if I couldn't get outside and get fresh air then I think my mental health would be a lot worse than what it is at the moment. So physical exercise is really important. Um, I definitely have a routine around sleep. Um, so I force myself to make sure that I go to bed and I wake up at a pretty similar time um, every day, even, even with, you know, the changes in commute and or not having a commute. Um, so that I think that's been really helpful for me as well. Meditation is a part of my, my daily practice. Um, as well as kind of giving myself some space, so I try and find some time at the start of the day, the day to set my intentions and to think about, well, okay, what have I got on today? What do I what do I want to get through? Um, and I think part of that is like setting intentions and then also acknowledging and celebrating achievements, even if they're really small achievements. So, you know, yeah. Clearing my inbox is a massive achievement and I feel very proud that I can do that. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it's simple things like that that actually really do help me feel better, I think, as well as connecting with people. And I'm fortunate um, to be able to, you know, I get to talk to lots of really interesting people, which gives me energy, I think,
0: Um yeah. I think you've nailed just about all of the elements that I hold dear as well. The, the only <laughs> other one, I, no, you actually did mention that, just getting outside into the fresh air and, you know, with the longer days, getting a bit more sun um, and even combining that with exercise is a fantastic way to go about it too.
1: Yeah, so important. Imagine if we couldn't get outside, it would, it would oh,
0: be so hard. It would just be, yeah, it would be a shocker. Hey, um, this has been a fantastic conversation. How can people uh, connect with you and learn more about your incredible work?
1: Ah, well, lots of different ways. Find me on LinkedIn. Always happy to have a chat with people personally. Um, but yeah, if you want to have a look at smiling Mind, download our app. Um, it's on all the app stores. Um, or jump onto our website, which is just smileymind.com.au. Um, but yeah, please check it out. It, you know, there's there's stuff there for any age from three year olds all the way through to adults and um our programs for workplaces. So If you're interested, jump on and have a look. Hopefully there's something there that will inspire you to look after your mental health.
0: Oh, fantastic plug, Addy. Brilliant. Um, Hang on for one sec. We'll do a quick debrief and uh, then we'll wrap up. Cool. Thanks for joining me.
1: My pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes why not share the podcast with your networks after all 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares you could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the itunes store if you love what we do each week and want to support the show you should join our growing community of patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor to learn more about
1: all of that just head to humansofpurpose.com.